Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be honored in this place today. We celebrate who God is still. He's still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. He still is the Most High God. And we are going to declare that he is good on today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, put those hands together. Lord, you are good, say. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are so good. Lord, you are good yes, you and your are.
Learning New Salem. Um, the scripture we'll be reading for today is 2 Timothy 1st chapter, verses 6 and 7. And it reads, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gives us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Father God, we come to you today thanking you and praising you for everything that you have done for us, Father God. We thank you for waking us up this morning, and though times are uncertain right now, Father, we know that you have everything under control and in your hands. Father, we pray that you continue to watch over us, everyone here and everyone at home watching. I pray that you be with them and touch them, Father God. Keep them, Father God. Be a healer where a healer is needed, Father God. Be a balm into people's hearts, Father God, for those who have lost loved ones, Father God. We pray that you continue to keep us, Father God. Protect us and see us through this time, Father God. You know what you're doing, Father God, and everything is in your hands. In this we pray. Amen. Amen. The uh, composer of this song was a businessman back in the late 1800s, a very prominent and prosperous businessman in Chicago. He sent his family on a trip um, to Europe. It ended up that he, his wife, and his four children went ahead of him, and he was gonna go and meet them later. Well, as fate would have it, all of his children perished in an accident, and only his wife was left. And he penned the words of this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou, O oh Lord, hast taught me to say, it is well. And I believe that's an appropriate declaration for this time that we're in. Let's sing that together. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, is 
next song we're going to sing is called You Are Everything to Me. In times like these, it's good to remember that he can still be everything for you. And in times like these, when you need him the most, when times seem hard, when things seem impossible, when your health is down, he's right there for you. everything to me when you need him the most he's right there for you and can be everything in times like these when you need a healer when you need a savior he's right there for you amen
Worthy of praise, honor, and glory. You are everything. You are everything. Say. Yes, God. Good morning. We are grateful that you would join us again this morning in our virtual worship service at the New Salem Baptist Church located in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Keith Troy. I am the pastor here and pleased and privileged to have you join with us in this morning's virtual worship service. We ask you to pray for us as we pray for you. We bow our heads in a word of prayer. God is our praise and worship team has sung. 
You are everything. You're more than enough. And God, if we're honest in these past few weeks, it's kind of been tough. But God, it's also been the opportunity to spend more time with you, to clean out our minds, our hearts, to meditate on your goodness and your grace. God, yes, we're perplexed by the loss and the deaths that members and friends have suffered. But we're also reminded that every morning we woke up, we've been greeted by new mercies. So God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for loving us and for giving us in spite of our faults and failures. God, bless this house, bless these your people. God, we ask for you to take control of your word now. Deliver it as you would. Move us out of the way as we seek to humble ourselves to your will and your way. It's your servant's prayer. Amen. This morning, I want to focus in on God's mercy and my failures. God's mercy and my failures. Because we are an imperfect people and we live in an imperfect world, I don't care who you are, we all experience failures in life. The night that Jesus Christ was arrested, before he went to the cross, two of his best friends had massive failures. Judas had the failure of betrayal and Peter had the failure of self-denial. When you examine it, they're actually the exact same sin. They both denied Christ, but they are just different expressions of that sin. And Judas rejected the mercy of God and later went out and killed himself. But Peter accepted the mercy of God and later went out and became the leader of the church. Same sin, different reactions. So what I want us to look at is God's mercy and our failures this morning. And I want us to learn some lessons from the life of Peter and the master's failures that he had. And I want to ask you this morning three basic questions. First of all, what causes personal failure in your life? And we're going to look and actually see the three things that Peter had in his life are the most three common causes of failure in our life. Whether it's financial failure, business failure, marriage failure, relational failure, and all other kinds of failure are caused primarily by three things. There are many others, but these are the biggest three that we face. Then we're going to look at not only what Peter did wrong, but also what he did right. And how do you recover? What does God want you to do when you've had a failure in your life? And then most important of all, we're going to look at how does Jesus respond to our failures and how he shows us mercy. So this morning, let's examine the first cause of our personal failure. The first thing we have to look at is we tend to overestimate our strength. We overestimate our strength. This is a big cause of failure in your life. When you think that you're stronger than you really are, you think you can handle more and you think you can handle temptation. The story begins in Matthew chapter 26. Now they had just had the Last Supper where Jesus said, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to die. But three days later, I'm going to come back to life and I'll meet you in Galilee after that. And in verse 31 of Matthew 26, Jesus says this to disciples, tonight 
every one of you will desert me. For the scripture says that when the shepherd is killed, the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then Peter boasted, but Lord, even if everyone else fails you, I will never deny you. Jesus replied, Peter, the truth is that before this night is over and before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny knowing me three times. Peter insisted, but Lord, I would never do that. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny knowing you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. They all said the same thing. They all said, we would never do this, Lord. You may have never seen this, but that all said the same thing. God, we will never do this. Jesus said, you're going to do it tonight. When they take me, when they arrest me, you're going to fall to pieces. You can count on it. Notice three times Peter says, I'll never deny you. I would never do that. And I would never deny knowing you at all. This is overestimating our strengths. A lot of businesses fail from overestimating their strengths. A lot of battles are lost because armies overestimate their strength. A lot of students flunk out of school because they overestimated their strengths. A lot of spouses fall into affairs because they overestimated their strengths. I can handle it. It's just a hand, harmless office flirt. There's nothing happened to me from it. I can handle this. Beware of thinking this could never happen to me. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, if you think I am strong, I can handle this. I'll never fall for that temptation. Then be careful, for you could easily fall too. The Bible says one of the reasons we have so many failures in our life is because we think we're stronger than we really are. Don't be naive. Don't be too confident. None of us are exempt. Given the right situation, you and I are capable of any sin. And given the right situation, you are capable in the sin, and so am I. The Bible says the heart is deceitful, and we should stop kidding ourselves. Now, I don't have time to go into the detail, but not only do we have failures in life because we overestimate our strengths, but we also misuse our strengths. We tend to guard our weaknesses. You know what you're weak at. I've got to stay away from that because I'm weak at that. But you don't pay attention to your strengths. And when you don't pay attention to your strengths, they can become weaknesses as well. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. The very area you think there's no way I could mess up in that, you're setting yourself up. The Bible says for failure, there's a sense of pride there. The very area you may have just had major victory may exactly be where you stumble next. Sometimes it's after a big success that you have a failure. Sometimes the fact that you've been through a very strong spiritual crisis and you came out of it, you actually made it, but you let your guard down. Jesus was tempted in the desert immediately after his baptism, which was a big experience. Peter had his biggest failure denying Christ right after the Lord's Supper, which was an intimate, powerful experience. So never presume that you know where temptation is going to come from. We overestimate our strengths. The second reason we fail, and this one's even bigger than the first, we fear the disapproval of others. You may not realize it, 
but this causes more problems in your life than almost anything else. We fear the disapproval of other people. Every time you make a decision based on what other people think, you are sowing the seeds for failure in your life. Because when you worry about what other people think, when you fear disapproval, you're going to flow even when you know it's the wrong thing. You go along to get along. And that's a dangerous place to be. We become a people pleaser. We become a coward. We make commitments that you can't possibly keep simply because you're trying to make everybody happen. We see this as a second reason Peter stumbled his denials. When we go back to that 26th chapter of Matthew, verse 58 and 69 and 70, the Bible says this after he had left the Last Supper in the upper room. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. There's a problem right there. Following Jesus at a distance. But he followed Jesus at a distance to the courtyard of the high priest's palace. He went in and sat down with the guards to see what was going to happen to Jesus. He's been arrested, going to be tortured. Peter wants to know what's going on. As he was sitting in the courtyard, a servant girl came up to him and said, you were with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? But standing there in front of everyone, understand, standing there in front of everyone, Peter denied it. I don't even know what you're talking about, he said. Think about this. Peter had just spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He lived with him for three and a half years, and the first time the rubber meets the road, he's in a clinch, he's in a crisis. What does he do? He denies him. I don't even know what you're talking about. He's more worried about what other people think than he is identifying with Christ. Well, let's not be too hard on Peter. How many times have you and I had the opportunity to admit we were Christians at work or somewhere else? And we said nothing because we were worried about what people would say or think about us. This thing actually happens in our life all the time, not just in witnessing about our faith, but in so many areas. We stumble and we have failures because we're thinking more about what people say and think about us than what God thinks. He said, I don't even know the person. But Peter struggled with people pleasing his entire life. One time it got so bad that Paul had to actually rebuke him. Peter, you're acting this way with this group over here, and you're acting that way with this group over there. You're trying to please everybody. You can't do that. You're trying to please everybody. You can't do that. Before we go on, let me ask you to consider some questions. Personally, are you following Jesus at a distance? Yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I just don't want to get too close to him. I don't want to be a radical or fanatic. I want to follow him at a distance. That's a setup for failure. It's trying to have a foot in both worlds. It does not work that way. The Bible tells us Peter was just sitting around waiting for something to happen. Do you find yourself doing that? Just sitting around waiting for something to happen. It's a setup for failure in life. Then Peter was worried about what other people thought. Let me ask you this question. question. Whose opinion matters to you more than God's? Are you more worried about what they think than doing the right thing or saying the right thing? When you let anybody else be more important than God in your life, they become your God. 
and that's called an idol, and that is definitely a setup for failure. More important even than that, of whose opinion matters to you more than God, is this question. Have you ever asked yourself why the opinions of other people matter so much to you? Have you ever even asked yourself why you cringe at any criticism? Why you hate it so much? Why it just turns your stomach in the night if somebody disagrees with you? Have you ever asked yourself, why am I such a coward when it comes to being different? Why do other people's opinion matter so much to me that I'll even do wrong to make them and try to please them and make them like me? Have you even asked yourself, why does this happen? Why does it matter so much? Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. I say to you, the unexamined life is a setup for failure because the part of me that causes me the most trouble is the part of me I don't want to know about. And when I live in denial of an area in my life that I don't want to do, I, what I do, if I'm in the dark about why I do what I do, if I never go out of it, I'm going to be stuck in that rut the rest of my life. And the same thing is true with you and everybody else. The parts of you that cause you the most problems are the parts of you you're afraid to look at. The parts of you that you're in denial about, the part of you, why you act away, and you may never ask, why am I so controlled by the opinions of other people? Why is it that I can't handle the disapproval of anybody else? It just makes me sick. It upsets me. I'll do almost anything to avoid somebody disapproving me. Why does that matter so much? I hasten to warn you that until you figure that out, you're going to keep stumbling and stumbling and falling and failing in that area. The answer is the reason why we're worried about the fear of disapproval is that there's always a wound behind it. A hidden wound is always behind the fear of disapproval of other people. There's something that triggers in your mind that fear. Maybe it was a rejection in the past. Maybe it was an unmet need you had growing up. Maybe it was some hurt. Maybe it was a trauma that happened in your life, a pain or an injury you had of some unmet need. It's some pain and it's a deep pain and it's deep in there, it's so deep in there, it's hidden in you. I call it soul pain. And the worst kind of pain is when your soul is in pain. That's the kind of pain you don't even know why you're in pain. You don't even know why you do what you do. The soul pain is always related to your identity. If you don't know who you are as a man, if you don't know who you are as a woman, you will be manipulated by the disapproval of other people the rest of your life and you'll find yourself backing down when people say, are you a Christian? You won't stand up for what you believe and you won't do the thing that's right because you don't know who you are. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 25, it is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what other people think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you'll be safe. But if you trust the Lord, you'll be safe. He says, I've already blown it. I've already fallen into trap. If I'm more worried about what people think than doing the right thing that God says is right to do or say, think or feel, Peter overestimated his strength. I would never do this. It'll never happen to me. I can handle this temptation. I know what I'm doing. I'm an adult. I can watch these kinds of things and it doesn't bother me. 
Who are you kidding? I can go to these kinds of places and it doesn't affect me. Who are you trying to fool? I can listen to this kind of stuff and it doesn't bother me. Are you serious? We're all worried about air pollution, but we ought to be worried about mind pollution. The stuff you allow in your brain, garbage in, garbage out. When you think you're strong and you're not, when you're worried about the approval of the people, you're going to have failures in your life. And that brings us to the third thing that causes failure. And this third thing may be the largest thing. We see it in Peter's life. And one of the causes of personal failure is we speak without thinking. This may be the most common cause of all failure in our life. We put our mouth in motion we put, before we put our mind in gear. We speak impulsively, and we speak rashly, and we speak in haste, and we speak thoughtlessly. We don't pause to consider the damage of what we're about to say, what it's going to do in the lives of other people, or even our own lives. We just say whatever we feel like saying. The true reason is we don't think rationally, we think emotionally. Most of the time when you talk, you're not thinking about what you're talking about. You're not thinking rashly. You're not thinking that's unintended consequence of what I'm about to say. You never stop and say, Lord, do you want me to say this? You're not asking God, is this the right thing to say or at the right way to say it or the right time to say it? Do you just say whatever you feel? People say, I just say whatever I feel as if that's a mark of courage. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a mark of immaturity. They say whatever they feel. Adults need to learn to have a governor on their mouth. So when you feel envy, you speak in envy. When you feel jealousy, you speak in jealousy. When you feel insecure, you say things that reveal your insecurity. When you're frustrated and when you're angry, you say things in anger. When you're afraid, you say things in fear. Not even thinking about the consequences. The reasons why we have so many failures in our life is because we speak without thinking. We let our emotions get in gear. And that's what happened here with Peter. Peter is clearly uptight. He's fearful. Just think of the crisis that's going on. His Lord, his Savior has been arrested. He's back behind a wall going through mock trials and being tortured. Peter's on the other side of the wall in the courtyard wondering what's going on. Then all of a sudden, a stranger comes up and goes, you're with him. And he says, no, no, I'm not. He's worried about what other people will think. Now his anger comes out. It's right there in Matthew 26, verses 71 through 74. Then Peter went out to the entrance of the courtyard, and there another woman saw him and said those things standing there. This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. At this time, he swore an oath and said, I don't even know that man. But after a while, the men who've been standing there came over to Peter and said, we know that you are one of them. We all want to be one of them in the crowd. And one of the reasons why we never talk about our faith to anybody else is because we don't want to be one of them. You want to be one of us, one of the fellas, one of the girls, one of the ladies. They say, we know you're one of them. Again, that's the fear of disapproval. Peter is getting up tight right here. He's getting upset. We know that you're one of them because your Galilean accent gives you away. Jesus is from Galilee. The 12 disciples in the small group were all from Galilee. So the accent gave him away. 
They said, we know who you are. You're one of them because you have a Galilean accent. It gives you the way. The Bible says Peter lost his temper and started cursing and swearing. He shouted, I don't know the man. And immediately he heard a rooster crow. You do realize that swearing is often a sign of frustration. When we get afraid, we go emotional. When we're not thinking rationally, when we're not thinking logically, when we're not thinking reasonably, we start thinking emotionally. When people swear, it's because they've given up on their logic and they resort to their emotions. It's not thinking, it's speaking without thinking. The Bible says the causes so many problems in our lives, James 3, verses 5 and 6. The tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. Just as a tiny spark can burn up a great forest, the tongue is a flame of fire. That part of your body is full of wickedness and can position everything else in your life. We all know this is true. You've seen relationships poisoned. You've seen deals poisoned. You've seen future dreams poisoned. All because of a misplaced word or unreliable phrase. The Bible says it sets on fire. Your tongue, it's set on fire. The hell itself can turn your whole life into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. So we overestimate our strengths. We fear the disapproval of others and we speak without thinking. Peter did all three and he had the biggest phase of his life and we do all three and we have failure in our life. We don't want to just leave you with what Peter did wrong. What did he do right? Peter actually did three things right. And you'll have to tune in next week to find out what those things are. God bless you and God keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Lord, thank you for reminding us we first have to come to grips with our failures, our faults and our flaws. And I don't care who we are, every one of us has failed you and failed ourselves and failed others. But the good news on the other side of our failures is your mercy and your grace. God, thank you for new mercies every morning. Bless your children, bless this word, bless this people. We ask in your son's name, amen. We pause now to open up the doors of the church and invite you to become a part of the family of God. Come into his kingdom. Be a part of his family. Sometimes people think because they have messed up or had a fault, had a flaw, had a failure, that God can't use you. I'm here to tell you, God won't use you until you've had a mess up, until you've had a fault, until you've had a flaw. Don't let other people tell you you can't be used by God. Yes, you can. Look how bad Peter blew it. And yet Peter becomes the very foundation that God builds his church on. So we invite you to bring your faults, your flaws, and your failures, and join in with the rest of the family where we find peace, we find joy, we find gratefulness, but most of all, we find forgiveness. We ask you to become a part of the New Salem Church. If not us, we're willing to refer you anywhere. We just want you to be in the family of God. 
and we want you to win today. That's our prayer. That's our desire. We hope it would warm your heart so you will make a decision for Christ and the kingdom today. Amen. There are three ways you can connect to God through the New Salem Church. You can send a text to 614-568-4858. Secondly, you can send an email to New Salem Prayer, NS Prayer Ministry at New Salem Cares. Let me repeat that. You can send an email to NS Prayer Ministry at NewSalemCares.com. And thirdly, visit church.NewSalemCares.com backslash connect. Those are three ways you can become a part of our congregation. And if you do that, somebody from the church will follow up with you and we'll be more than glad to begin to minister to you and accept you as a part of our family. We now encourage you to participate in our stewardship. We encourage you to be a good steward and be generous. There's a lot of needs going on in our community and around this country. Because of what you're still doing and still giving, we've been able to average feeding 200 families every week through our food pantry. That's an exciting thing in this day and time. We've had some folks who come, this is the first time they've ever thought they'd ever have to use a food pantry. One of the gentlemen that came last week used to be the man who inspected food pantries. Now he's a man using the food pantry. So we encourage you, you never know when you or I might be in that situation, so as you continue to support us, so we can support others. There's five ways that you can give. You can visit church.newsalemcares backslash give. You can use the Shelby Next app. You can also use our cash app, dollar sign NS Cares. You can text your amount to 614-333-0656, or you can drop your gift off to the New Salem Church any way you do it, we'll be more than glad. Let me thank you for how you have been supporting us the past few weeks. We encourage you to keep doing that. As you are faithful, we know God will be faithful, and we can carry out the assignment that God has given us. Then let us remind you, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would love for you to become a subscriber to our YouTube channel that helps us decide and know who's following us and who's subscribing and encouraging us. Also, you can visit church.newsalemcares.org for updates. That's our website. You can get updates, resources, and information on volunteer opportunities. And then finally, we look forward to you joining us next Sunday when we complete this series on God's mercy and our failures. We'll see you at 11 o'clock in our virtual worship experience next Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right, I got you. This morning, we encourage you to continue your good stewardship and generosity because we are still dealing with needs in our community. We wanted to show you the kinds of things we're doing, so we're gonna show a short video, uh, and then we'll come back after that, and hopefully that will stimulate you to understand what we're trying to do for people in the kingdom and in our community. Good.
We're encouraging you to please stay tuned and listen to the top five announcements here at the New Salem Church as we seek to be obedient to what we need to do this week. We ask God to bless you and keep you, and we're looking forward to a great 